Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show here on this Wednesday, WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Let's go out to the phone line. Bring in our guy, Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Harry. Freddie, hope you had a great birthday yesterday. I certainly, certainly did. And by the way, I gave a lot of kudos to people out there who took the time because so many busy things are going on with people at the holiday season. They really took the time either on Twitter, Instagram, even on Facebook to shout me out and give me a happy birthday wishes. So it means means so much. I'm really, really appreciative of that. Well, we're glad you had a great day. You had a better overall Tuesday than I did. The <laughs> Celtics, very, very disappointing, Freddie. Up 11 going into the fourth against the Warriors, up 17 in total. Couldn't buy a bucket down the stretch. Hey. Well, I get it, but remember, they're not playing a bunch of scrubs over there. I know the Golden State Warriors had a tough season where you don't have Draymond Green as a part of your franchise, and we don't know how long that's going to last, but they still have guys that can make plays. They got an otherworldly player still at this age of 36 when it comes to Steph Curry. Klay Thompson's gotten better lately. But I think guys like John Kaminga and Trace Jackson Davis, the rookie they drafted out of Indiana, now they're getting a chance to show exactly why they should be getting more burn on this basketball team. And you're right. You can't lose an 11-point lead and at one point the Boston Celtics were up by 17 points. But it's not that they lost to a bunch of scrubs on the other side. You got two Hall of Fame players over there and Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and other guys trying to make their way and a guy on the sidelines that will be in the Basketball Hall of Fame as well when it comes to Steve Kerr. When you allow a team to believe they can win a game more often than not, that's going to happen against you. And we saw that happen to the Celtics last night losing this game in overtime. Freddie, there's two ways to look at it as far as I am concerned. One, you either look at it and say, okay, they lost by six and they didn't have Porzingis, so if they had him, they're clearly better and they win this game the next time. Or you look at it like the Warriors have had their number ever since they beat them in the NBA Finals and the Celtics, while they win a lot of games, still don't necessarily have the ability to have the killer instinct. Which side do you fall on? Neither. And here's why. Because it's the NBA and those things are going to happen in the NBA. Sometimes it's not so much about who's on the floor, who's not on the basketball floor. It's what you do with the players that are going to be there. And your point is valid that you don't have that rim protector in Christoph Porzingis, but who's to say that Golden State would not have made a lot more pull-ups or a lot more three-point shots. So I never play those kind of games in terms of the unknown compared to the known. I look at the NBA that it is hard to win NBA games. I don't care if you're a terrific team like the Boston Celtics are, and for my money, they're the best team in the NBA as of this point right now in the regular season, or if your team that has lost a bunch of games in a row like the Detroit or the to Detroit Pistons, it is hard to win NBA games. And when you have NBA players out there that can make those kind of plays, if you don't put them away and you have the opportunity to do so, it doesn't matter that Christoph Porzingis was there or not going to be there. When you have a chance to do that, you got to do that. But that's the NBA. You can't allow anybody to believe they have a shot to win because if you open up that door, more often than not, if you're a good team or a bad team, they'll find a way to get through that door. Freddie, it was very interesting after the game. Jalen Brown said, you know, I thought we focused too much on attacking Steph Curry, right? They, they were trying mm-hmm. to foul Curry out of the game. Is that yep. Jalen Brown taking a mini shot at Joe Missoula's strategy, or is that a shot at the players, himself included? Do you think that's a player's decision or a coach's decision to go at Steph that way? Well, it's a player and coach's decision, but it made sense to do that mainly because Steph Curry at one point had five personal fouls. You got to find a way to get him out of the ball game to increase your chance of the winning. So we can say they focused too much on that and say that Jalen Brown mentioned that after the game. I'm not going to say that he's wrong, but I don't think that was the wrong idea. If you get a chance to remove Steph Curry from any kind of proceedings when you're trying to beat the Golden State Warriors, you're going to try to do that. Now, let's be honest. Steph Curry has played with five fouls before. He knows exactly how to do that. 
And I also will, will believe that the officials will give him a little bit more leeway. And the Golden State Warriors did a great job of hiding him to make sure they, as much as they tried to hunt him out to get that fifth personal foul, they're able to double team to get the ball to those guys' hands when they tried to do that. So that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad strategy to say, hey, how can we get that guy out of the game? Because if we do, we increase our chances of winning. They were not able to do that. And Steph Curry came back to bite them in the in the fourth quarter and then in overtime making a game-winning shot to put them up by four. You know, Freddie, I, I'm trying to think. I know it's not college, and I know we get inflated point totals. I can't remember ever seeing a team get seven players in double figures and lose like the Celtics did yesterday. Well, that's modern NBA because we've seen a lot of times where teams will get five players in double figures and wind up losing a game 151 to 127. When you've been able to legislate defense out of the game in the NBA because that's what they've done. They're not they're not going to, Brady, allow you to clutch and grab and get away the kind of things that we saw in the 90s and early 2000s. They want this to be a free-flowing basketball game. And more than ever before, it's not about being the best defensive team. It's when you can get those key defensive stops. We saw the Golden State Warriors get that at the end of regulation when I thought Jason Tatum made a great play to pump fake and get John DeCaminga off his feet, but John DeCaminga did not give up on the play, and he contested the shot and forced that shot to go awry, and Golden State was able to get those stops that Boston was not able to get in the fourth quarter and in overtime. So more than ever before in modern basketball, it's not about we got to be the best defensive team in the NBA. It's all about when can we get those key defensive stops to win games because defense has been legislated out of the league and offense is going to be the way to go. And that's not going back anytime soon in the NBA. Hard for me to knock him because he had 30 and he led the team in scoring. But my goodness, Derek White needed one more three yesterday down the stretch because he had about four chances at it. Wide open and wasn't able to finish. Yeah, you can't you can't quibble with the looks that they got when they have four open shots on that possession, but were not able to get that. You're, you'll take that if you're the Boston Celtics. They, they did such a great job at getting the basketball, and kicking out, and finding the right guy to take those open shots. And the one thing I love about Derek White, he has become really a self-made player in terms of elevating his basketball game. He can guard one, two, three positions in the NBA. He can make shots. He can orchestrate. He's really a terrific rebounder in terms of getting rebounds inside or getting those long shots for long rebounds. He has really become an important piece in this basketball team that when he plays well, the Celtics normally don't lose. When he doesn't play well, it's really hard for the Boston Celtics to win those kind of games. It's like exactly how important of a piece he has become for the Celtics so far early in the early part of the season. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. Let's move to the Patriots. They lose to the Chiefs 27-17 the other day. Back-to-back weeks, Bailey Zappi's put together a, a, a relatively good first half and then a relatively horrible second half. <laughs> what do you make of Zappi right now? Do you think he can be a guy who is a is a you know he sticks in as a backup in this league? Could he be a guy who floats around and starts as somebody's stopgap guy for four games until some draft pick is ready? What do you make of Zappi's future? I think he has the ability to be a pretty quality backup. I won't go any further than that because you pointed out exactly that he can be really good early, but then you make adjustments and he doesn't have enough ability to overcome those kind of adjustments. You can get away with that in college because he was the River College quarterback, but they run a lot of different things that you can have the best defensive system in the world in college football, but 
talent is going to out, outscore that no matter what. In the National Football League, they're not going to allow you that if you're not an other, if you're not a superstar player like Patrick Mahomes to dominate them after having that kind of success early. Kansas City made the adjustments. They made a lot of pressure changes. They were able to get after and force him out of the pocket and off his sweet spot. And he doesn't have enough ability to overcome those kind of adjustments. That's the kind of guy that can be a backup and you can't have him out there longer than four or five games because then he gets exposed. If he's getting exposed in the last couple of games in the second half of games, what do you think that's going to look like? So he has the ability, Brady, to be a quality backup, a potential backup, but that's as far as that ceiling is, in my opinion, when it comes to Bailey Zappi staying in the NFL. You know, I thought it was really interesting to hear Drew Locke talk the other night on Monday night about Geno Smith and the relationship they have, and I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. That's, that is that is not the dynamic in the Patriots quarterback room. Zappi and Mac reportedly don't really get along, and I get it's a different dynamic in which Mac has had his job taken in first-round pick, so it's a different dynamic. But on the sideline right now, Mac is there with his helmet on. He's not near the offensive coordinator. He's not looking at the tape with Bill O'Brien and Zappi. I don't see him encouraging Zappi. What do you think the proper kind of conduct should be for Mac right now in this situation that he's in? Well, you've got to be a better teammate when it comes to Mac Jones because nobody gives a you-know-what about you having pouty face on the sidelines. It is your fault that you're in that position because you have not played well a quarterback. If you had played better quarterback, if you were not missing throws, and even when they brought in Bill O'Brien, you still didn't – you were not able to make sure that offense had continuity and fluidity. And to be fair, he doesn't have the weapons on the outside that can make that happen. But you have to be a better quarterback than that. He was not a better quarterback. In games where they had a chance to win, he did not deliver. The only time we really saw him do that was that final drive against the Buffalo Bills, and the Buffalo Bills were on the struggle bus defensively and offensively. So you can be on the sidelines and have what my football coach, when I played at Manchester University, Tom Elsass, used to say, you have like moose face. You better give it a moose face to Mac Jones because plenty of people looking at that and saying, man, things went haywire that way, and he was an awful teammate. He was not a good kind of teammate. If the Patriots don't want him, why would we want that in our locker room? And plus, he has not proven he has enough talent that can overcome that. The last thing you want if you're Mac Jones to be another version of Carson Wentz. With Carson Wentz, they drafted Jalen Hurts. He had moose face, felt some sort of way. Jalen Hurts gets that job, and where's Carson Wentz now? Not on the NFL roster. If you're Mac Jones, you better be careful that that narrative does not be a part of you, where all of a sudden you're looking to be on an NFL team just to be on a team and not being a starting quarterback anymore in the NFL. Freddie, here is my bold prediction. You can write it down December 20th. This is my, mm-hmm. uh, my prediction. Somebody right. next year gives Sam Darnold a job because they think proximity to greatness makes you great, so he's worked with Shanahan, so he's going to be good. So Darnold gets a job. Matt goes to San Francisco, sits for a year under Shanahan. What do you think? I don't think that's too far-fetched, but I know if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, if I'm moving on from Sam Darnold, I'm getting some pieces in return. So I could definitely see that happening. And I know the San Francisco 49ers were enamored of him, but you don't know if that's going to really fit well with your football team because Sam Darnold was in impossible situations when it came to the NFL. The Jets under underneath Adam Gase, who couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag, yes. and then go to the Carolina Panthers, and that didn't work out well, even though he played pretty decently in the final part of last season. So if you're going to move on from a guy like Sam Dunn, who I'm with you, still has ability. I could see that happening, but I would not. I would not want the return piece to be Mac Jones coming back because Mac Jones does not has not built up enough equity to say that yeah, if we bring him here, he learns for a year or another year, then we can move on from him and get another piece to return. I don't think that could be the case of Mac Jones compared to Sam Donald when it comes to their football futures. Freddie Coleman, ESPN Radio, Freddie and Harry. Freddie, have a great 
uh, holiday here. And uh, let's see, we will talk next week before New Year's. So have a great Christmas holiday to you and yours, and uh, we'll catch up in seven days. Oh, it's a pleasure, Brady. Have a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holiday. Can't wait to talk to you in seven days.